I want you to turn to the Bible, if you would, and it's a tremendous passage, classical passage, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 8. This was in the bulletin as a sermon last week. That was my fault. Not, that was not Wendy's fault. Now, I want to make that clear. That was not Wendy's fault last week. That was my fault. I gave the wrong title. That's not what I preached last week. I, this, is what I, this is what I had in the bulletin, but I want to do it this week. I do not know what's going on. I do not know in the big picture. I really don't know what's going on. I'm too close to the event. A person cannot read their own history. You can look back 400 years on history, it becomes a clear picture. But when you're living in the moment, it's not a clear picture. It's never going to be a clear picture. Because there's too many events you don't know about that interrelate to each other, so there's no way to read your own history. There really is no way. There's been a bunch of stuff on YouTube come up that says we're in the tribulation period. That is false. Let me just, let me just say that. We're not in the tribulation period. The tribulation period makes this look like baby's play. There is a period before the tribulation that is called a falling away period and a time of apostasy. Before the tribulation can come, there must come a time of apostasy, a falling away. Now, I think we've been in that for the last 35, 40 years. The Church of Jesus Christ is not as strong as it was 50 years ago, no doubt. The standards of the Bible, in many cases, have been compromised. The work of the Word of God has been compromised. There's been a lot of uh, biblical corruption, meaning false teaching, uh, running rampant via the Internet, which is basically unaccounted for and unaccountable teaching. Somebody can get on the Internet. Anybody's brother can get on the Internet and teach anything they want. There's no accountability. Nobody's out there saying that's fake news. And so because of that, there's been a proliferation and a falling away of God's people from the truth. There's no doubt. In the big picture. So are we in the time of apostasy? It could be. There's been other times of apostasy happen historically, uh, which were not preceding the tribulation period. Uh, but I would not tell you the tribulation period would not be close because I would not know that. The tribulation period, the rapture of the church can be right now. Before my voice hits the back of the room, we could be gone. And that, that, of course, is the main event that kicks off the tribulation period. The children of God are gone. We are the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And consequently, when we're gone, guess what the world can do? Guess what the unsaved can do? They can do anything they want to do. They can do it without hindrance because when I walk in the room, I hinder them. Why do I hinder them? The Holy Spirit's in me. The Holy Spirit, by his very nature, is the Holy Spirit is God. And so God, when he comes into an area, influences it and, re, and restrains the evil. And so uh, years ago, they wanted to do topless uh, dancing and stuff like that in Miami. They wanted to do it here. And Christians all showed up at the courthouse. I was part of that. And we told our commissioners, no, we do not want topless. We do not want that wickedness here because around that will come all kinds of wickedness piggybacking on top of it. And that's true, by the way. The sheriff verified all that. And the, God bless the city council and the county commissioners voted not to allow it in 
Lee County. Now, they're close to it, but they didn't allow it. It's banned in Lee County, and I think Charlotte County, and I think as well as Collier County also. So you're living in a, what I'm going to say, a relatively conservative area. Why? Christian influence. Christian influence. We are the salt of the world. Salt preserves. Salt kills bacteria. And but when the rapture happens, all that salt's going to be gone. All that light gone. And the evil one will have his opportunity to do what he's always dreamt about doing. And that is to pretend that he's God. And he's going to come in the form of a thing called the beast, the man. He's going to empower the beast. The beast's going to then do some things that nobody's ever done before. He's going to speak like nobody ever spoke before. He's going to be so convincing, so persuasive, so powerful that people will say, who can make war with the beast? The answer to that is nobody. Also, his false prophet, which will be with him, another man will call lightning down from heaven and say, hey, look at these miracles. This has got to be the Christ. So he's going to, in, he's going to uh, pretend he's the Christ. And so that, is that now? No, that's not now. We're not there yet. COVID's not even close. In fact, COVID is a merciful, merciful, merciful virus. We could have the bubonic plague or we could have a 20% kill or mortality, morbidity and mortality. We could have a 20% or more, but we don't. We have a less than a half a percent on the big picture. And so that is so much more merciful than what it could be. I remember polio. I remember polio. Polio was, man, that's a rough disease. That was rough. Crippled children. Our chairman board of deacons was a polio victim. He walked in crutches his whole life, from 17 years old on. So I'm done with that. So don't be, don't be easily brought into the fact, oh, we're in the trib. We're not. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8 are, are Paul's swan song. What is a swan song? I had a couple of them, and uh, one of the mates, one of the, they were mated pair, and one of, the, one of them got killed by a bobcat. And that other, for two or three days was a Kathy, that other one walked around the property crying for the mate. Boy, it was a mournful cry. It was her swan song. And uh, then the bobcat came and did a merciful thing and killed her because she was so, it sounded so bad. My wife said, you gotta, you're going to have to go out there and shoot her because I can't stand it. And I said, well, I don't hope not. I, the bobcat will be hungry in about three days. He came back. Everything's got to eat, folks. Don't, 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 be, don't be feeling bad for the swan. Second Timothy 4, 1 through 8. Is his swan song. It's his last words we know that Paul wrote. As far as we know, these are the last words Paul wrote on earth as far as inspired scripture. I do not know what's going on, but I know <clears throat> that I'm going to just keep on going. He says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. I hope you underline or mark your Bible there. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And I want you to mark, if you mark your Bible, the words, the time will come. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, 
but after their own lusts, passions, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. The people have ears wanting to be tickled, or basically they want to be told pleasant things. They want to be told positive things. So they don't like the old hellfire and damnation preacher. They get rid of him because he's too negative, and they, and they hire preachers and teachers that tell them good things, smooth things, nice things to hear. So when they leave church, they feel good about themselves. He said, that time's coming. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. That just confirms what they're doing there is wrong. And shall be turned unto fables, things that are made up. And there's four things in verse 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me. Notice all the personal pronouns. Verse 6 has 2. Verse 7 has 3. Uh, verse 8 has at least 2. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them with love is appearing. I ask you a question off the record here. Are you looking for Jesus to come? Are you going to love his appearing? That's important. For all those who love his appearing is a qualifying statement. I'm looking forward to Jesus coming. I want to see him. Oh, the one who saved me and gave his life for me. Wow. You can keep the gold and the silver and the streets and the and the jewels, that's all wonderful. That's all going to be great, and it's going to be there. But it's Jesus that's going to make it all. What is a charge? For the, I, see four, I see four things here. What's a charge? First, let me go back on all that. I see four things here. First of all, I see a charge. What is a charge, preacher? Thank you for asking. It's just what it sounds like. Charge! It's a cavalry commander yelling at his troops, facing the weapons and the guns of their opponent across the way, and he's telling these men, go into the fray. Run into the bullet. Run into the cannons. Go forward in the midst of risk. Charge! It is what it's, it, it sounds like, it doesn't it? They usually, the sergeant major in the military yelled this to his soldiers. My dad, excuse me, my dad, I do not have COVID, as far as I know, but if you shook my hand, wash your hands. Um, my dad was a Marine in Saipan, Tinian, Okinawa, World War II, and he was in the LST on the way to the shore, and he could hear the bullets hitting the metal. As he said, only a special sound. Of the, and the bullets were going over the top of it, and it sounded like angry bumblebees. And from the amount of bullets that were hitting the front, the door, he felt none of us are going to live. As soon as that door goes down, we're all going to get killed. Because it was like boom, 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 and they were going over his head and everything else. And the old sergeant major that was in there, 
says, boys, you're not going to live forever. Charge, let's go. And when the door dropped, they jumped out, and right, they didn't go the other way. There was no other way to go. That was the ocean behind you. And they had about 100 pounds worth of equipment on them. They jumped into the water, and immediately some of them began to get hit. Some of them crying for their mother. Some of them crying for their people as they were suffering. Some of them drowning, dying. He said the blood flowed like a river. It was like a river flowing off of the beach. The whole front of the beach, 30 feet, was solid red. And his commander said, go forward. Now, if men will do that for their country, how much more should you and I do that for Jesus? <clears throat> he says, I charge you. <clears throat> There's a sense of seriousness about it. A crucial moment in time is there. That's what we're facing today. People ask me, preacher, what's going on? I simply say, I don't exactly know what's going on, but I know I'm just going to keep on going. I mean, this is not the time to be bickering among each other or nitpicking or fault-finding or squabbling. This is our time for action. The time for talk is over. The time for dreaminess is over. The time for vacillation is over. The time for thumb-sucking is over. It's a time to put up or shut up. It's a time to charge, not slither into a corner and become invisible. It's a time for boldness not shyness with the gospel. If you ever were going to live like a Christian, now is the time. There will not be a better time than to live for Christ right now. Verse 2 says, keep on keeping on. He says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Get the word out, in other words, period. When it's convenient, when it's not convenient. We have never seen times like this that we're living in. At least I have not in my 68 years. And I would say, unless you were born in 1918, which was far, far worse than what we have now, uh, you've never seen anything quite like it. Um, maybe never in the history of the USA have we, have we seen anything quite like this. This is new. But this is our time for consistency. Uh, what is that, preacher? Just doing what you know is right to do. Um, you say, well, preacher, I'm not getting results like I once did. Still do it. Uh, I'm not filling the buses up like we used to. Just keep doing it. Folks aren't walking the aisles for salvation like they once did. Just keep doing what you're supposed to do. Folks aren't getting baptized compared to the good old days. And I've lived in the good old days. I know what it is. We went 25 Sundays in a row and had baptism every Sunday. I know what it is to live in times like that, but I just, we're supposed to be instant, in season, out of season. Now, th that presumes that there are times of in season, and it presumes there's times of out of season. Now, you know, that's a duh, I know that. But it means that life's not going to be like this. You're going to have in season, that's that, and out of season, in season, out of season, in season, out of season, just keep doing what's right for Christ. Things have changed. People seem to have hardened up in some degree. I think it's because of the hypocrisy of God's children in many ways has turned many folks off to the gospel, to their own hurt. Have anybody else gone through this preacher? Well, Noah did. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. 120 years, I believe, the boy preached. 
He had a congregation of eight people. That included himself. I wouldn't feel real good. That included his wife. That included his kids, family. I wouldn't go around beating my chest and say, Woo! I preached 120 years at a church of eight people. You say, were the days of Noah hard? What do you think? How much unbelief was there? It was everywhere. The spirit of unbelief took over that group of people to the place God said, I repent that I ever made him. And I'm going to take him out. Daniel, he lived in a hard time. He lived in an out-of-season time. Man, Daniel, young man, probably 12 years old when he was brought to the Babylonians, castrated, parents probably killed in front of his eyes, and then he was told to serve the very people that killed his mom and dad, burnt his city, and tore out the temple. Now, how would you like that? I'd say it was an out-of-season time, but Daniel, he may not have known what was going on, but he just kept on going. He just kept doing the right thing. He knew a few things. And the Bible says he determined in his heart to follow the things of God. He was going to do it. We're just going to serve God. I think Jeremiah lived in a time like that. I think Amos lived in a time like that. And Malachi lived in a time like that. And Ezra lived in a time like that. And Nehemiah lived in a time that was out of season. These men did not live in the in-season time. They were not in the glory days, as it were, where God was in the majority. People who believed in God and people who followed God were in the majority. They were in the minority. Now, David and Solomon, they were in the glory days, brother. There was the glory time. That was when the majority of the people were following God, doing his will, obedient, and had faith. That was glory days. I love the glory days. At 68, I've had a few years... Numbers of years of glory days where people were getting saved. In the 70s, I never seen anything like it. People got saved. People believed. I preached on Fort Myers Beach. I've talked about this before, and people got saved. 2,500 2, young people in their bathing suits lined up from the picnic tables all the way to the ocean. It was a mass group of people so we could tell them about Jesus. Imagine trying to do that today. And people, afterwards, 12 different people came up and asked us how to be saved. And it just seemed like people were open. Roman Catholic people got saved left and right in the 70s. Just got saved like crazy. A lot of Roman Catholic people got saved. Trusted Christ. Wow. It was glory days. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. How are you going to do that? Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. In other words, patience. And tell them the truth. So I see a charge. Verses 1 to 2. I see a change in verses 3 to 4. For the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. After their own lusts, they'll heap to themselves, teachers having itching ears, turn away from ears from the truth, shall we turn into fables? I don't know if this is exactly that time. I think there is some of that going on. I know I hear hip-hop, rock and roll, industrial rock, rap music in the name of Jesus. And this music is becoming more increasingly favored by young believers and sometimes in the case of very immature folks. There's less and less holiness of, in the individual Christian life than I have seen in my lifetime, as the Bible would require and, and ask us. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. It makes a difference how you live. There seems to be more and more emphasis 
on freedom and less and less emphasis on service. It seems like worship is number one, but obedience is last on the list. And, and he said, I'd rather have obedience than sacrifice. That makes sense to you, right? That's horse sense, right? Come on. I, I, I'm going to worship God and live the way I want to live? No. Worship God really is your service for God. When you believe what he says and do what he wants you to do, that is worship. Worship's not just sitting here with my hands, and, and I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. Uh, I'm just saying if you, if you worship God, however you worship, you know, you sing his praises. We do it here. We worship him in spirit and in truth. But really what, where the rubber meets the road in your life and mine is not here in this room singing or praising God or giving him glory. It's what you do out there. It's what you do when there's nobody looking. It's what you do when there's not another witness. And if I obey God under that environment and I serve God under that environment, that's an act of worship. That's an act of praise. The time will come. Well, at least at this moment, we're in some sort of that time or similar to that. So I see a charge in verses 1 through 2. I see a change in 3 to 4. In verses 4 to 5, I see a challenge. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministers. There are four injunctions. Watch. That means to be on your toes. This is not the time to be sleeping. This is the time to be on your toes spiritually. It's the time to be reading the Word of God. It's the time to be memorizing Scripture. It's the time to watch in all things. The word endure means to be tough. You know, don't be, don't be blown out of the church of God by somebody offending you or not saying hi to you or not shaking your hand or don't be petty. God forbid it's not a time to be petty. Uh, these are times, I, I think in World War II, it was a Churchill said, these are the times that try men's souls. Is that him? Yeah, these are the times that try men's... I like the old boy who said, give me liberty or give me death. Was that John Paul Jones? Or was that a rock star? Oh, there goes my history. It's a time to do. Look at that. Do the work of an evangelist. It's a time to be active. Mate, it's a time to be industrious. Now, you know when this was written, this was written about 60 A.D., there were few to no hospitals there were no such a thing as a vaccination. There was no health insurance. There was uh, no nursing home, per se. There was very little, there was snake oil. They put leeches on you, to, thinking you bad, had bad bloods. So they put leeches on you to bleed you. And, and you know, the medicine was primitive, 60 AD. So you say, well, brother, he doesn't know. He's writing that almost 2,000 years ago. He don't know COVID. Yes, he does. He knows something a whole lot worse than what we got. Man, you got the finest of the medical profession there's ever been, probably in the history of the world, at your disposal. You have antibiotics. What's that? That's new. Antibiotics are a new thing. I'm trying to think of the guy who, who came up. Uh, was it Pasteur? Oh, well. There goes my history again. 
the guy that came up with a mold that figured out penicillin, and, and, and it was a, like a miracle. It was like a miracle. Penicillin is like a miracle. I mean, you can be dying of strep throat, and somebody will give you penicillin if you're not allergic to it, and it'll just like, psh, you're, you're like over. I, I, I had strep throat when I was in my 20s, and I was so bad. I mean, I don't know. If, how many here has strep throat? Strep throat, look at that. And it's like taking razors down the back of your throat. And to be honest with you, I wanted to die. I wanted to die. It hurt so bad to swallow and to breathe, and my throat would dry out. It was just horrible, and I was just, I was in my 20s, and I just went to the doctor out of desperation, because when you're in your 20s, if you go to the doctor, it's got to be desperation. So you go to the doctor in 20s, and you're going, I say, Doc, man, you got to help me. He looks at me and goes, ooh, ooh, you got some bad boy strep throat. And he gives me some antibiotics. And I go home, I take him, man, in two days. I was better in even in, I think, 24 hours I felt better. That was probably a placebo. But nevertheless, it didn't make any difference. He said, this is going to help you. I took it. I got better. It healed. I'm over. So I go back for a checkup, and I say, Doc, well, what if, what if you didn't have antibiotics? He said, you'd die. Nobody talks about dying from strep throat. But people died from strep throat. And what a way to go. What a horrible way to go. How about smallpox? Smallpox, one of the most disfiguring, cruel things that ever came across mankind. How about polio? How about, how, how about tuberculosis? Tuberculosis, oh, consumption. It makes you lose weight and lose weight until eventually you die. Can't breathe anymore. Those things have been pretty much taken care of, right? So you say, so you got to quit feeling like these are the worst of times, preacher. I'm trying to help you. These are not the worst of times. You could be living in Haiti where all those things I just mentioned are active. TB, polio, and they have very little medical help. You could be living in West Africa or some other places of the world that have very little help or support. So, Christian, don't you be crying. Lift up your head. This is, a, this is our opportunity to be active for Christ, to show ourselves, I like the Bible says, quit you like men. That means be a man. Even you women, be a man. It says, watch, endure, do, and look at the fourth one, make full proof of the ministry. That's be industrious. We can use this as an opportunity to show them that we do not have the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Listen, I serve a God who has my life in his hand. And you say, well, Brother Bill, what if you get COVID and die? Then I was supposed to. That's the way it's supposed to go. I have a high vulnerability. I just went to my hematologist and oncologist. She says, oh, you would not do well if you get COVID. And I said, glory to God, hallelujah, you can't scare me with heaven. I'm not going to, I'm going to shake your hand and I'm, I'll hug you too. I'll hug you. I won't, I, won't, I won't use the same spoon if we eat ice cream, but almost. I've seen people take an ice cream cone with their dog. 
They take a lick, they let the dog take a lick. They take a lick, let the dog. Listen, if they'll do that with a dog, and you know what he's been doing. You worried about shaking my hand? Come on, you people with dogs. You know what I'm talking about. Let's, let's shake this stuff off. Listen, I understand if you listen to the crazy media out there. If you listen to them, them, them fear-based, uh, scared, scared, uh, agenda-driven uh, media, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna want to hide somewhere. But we aren't, we aren't their group. We're not part of that group. We're part of the children of God, the children of light. We have a Savior loves us and gave himself for us. And he's going to take you and take care of you all the way home. And he'll be there, by the way, when you cross over. So I see a charge. I see a change. I see a challenge. And lastly, I see a cause. In verses 6 through 8, I see a cause. We have a cause. He said, I'm ready to be offered. Time my departure is at hand. And how many times you've heard this, maybe as a Christian quote, I've fought, I've finished, and I've kept. I fought a good fight. I finished a course. I've kept the faith. That's the way you want to be able to talk when you come to the deliverance time. Henceforth, and because of all that, and this is the beauty part, he says, there's a reward. Later for me, a crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. I asked you a question this morning. Are you ready to be offered up? You say, preacher, that's a strange question. No, it isn't. Do you know the day of your death? Oh, you don't know that, do you? Tom's a medical, he's a veterinarian. He's better than many medical doctors I've met. I mean, he, he's a phenomenal doctor, compassionate. But Tom, as much as he knows, does not know when he's going to die. He doesn't. Now, I don't know when I'm going to die. You don't know when you're going to die. So what do we do? I'm ready to die today. Are you ready to die today? Now, if you're a Christian and not ready to die today, you say, well, brother, I don't want to die. I didn't ask you that. I don't want to die. I want to live. Now, when I had strep throat, I wanted to die. I've been so sick and in pain that I would have chosen death over life. But I don't have that choice, and it's up to God. I'm not going to kill myself. And so I'm going to let God take care of it. But, boy, I can, you can be in such pain where death looks good to you. And so, dear brother and sister, be ready to be offered. Be ready to be offered, because today may, you may be offered. The, first, the rapture may come, number one, or this may be your day. Uh, Ron, Norm Goodnight, Norm Goodnight. Do you know medicine today, how crazy it's gotten, how you got to sign this paper that nobody can know about my medical stuff, or they'll ask you who can know about my medical stuff. You know how crazy that is? I don't care if everybody knows about me. Nobody wants to know about me. That's really the truth of it. Who would want to know about my medicals? Nobody wants to know. So I like signing paper, anybody, 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 please send somebody. 
Who wants to know about me? Norm Goodnight was here last Sunday. I ate out with him. Uh, Just got five stents put in his heart. He had already two. And they couldn't do the sixth one because too much dye. They was afraid they were going to hurt his kidneys. They had to wait till he heals up, take him back in and do the, let's see, five and two, that's seven, to do the eighth one, to do the eighth stand. He was blocked in every direction, the doctor said. You're blocked in every direction. He's younger than I am. But what he got real clearly was, now he's saved. He got saved about a year ago. That could have been his last day. Oh, he had a pain in his neck for three weeks before he went in. I would recommend not doing that, but whatever you want. Go the first week you got it. The pain in his neck. And he said, man, the pain wouldn't go away. And when I worked, it got worse. And when it didn't work, it got better. Eh, you're blocked up. So Norm was that close to dying, but maybe not. You may be closer. But you're sitting there with confidence that you're not. The Bible says don't live like that. Live like today's the day. Today is the day. My departure is at hand. And if it's not, then it's the next day. And you know what? If you keep living like that, you're going to live better than, than if you're living another way. And when your day of departure comes, you're going to be ready for it. Man, you finally got here. Plan like you're going to live to 100 years, but live like today's your last day for Christ. That's what the Bible says. Be ready. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. There's laid up for me this crown. I'm I'm facing a good future. The righteous judge is going to take care of me. Why? Because I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my sin bearer. His blood made propitiation for me. And I am by simple childlike faith trusting in him. That's what it is. It's just a simple choice that I've made. There's a conflict to finish and a faith to keep. And we allow adversity to temper your resolve. Why do we have adversity? To temper our resolve, not meld our courage. Why? The joy that's set before us. By the way, that worked for Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. That worked for Paul. That joy set before him, motivated him, kept him going. That worked for the apostles. It's worked for almost 2,000 years of born-again Christians. Years of God's people have kept the faith wants delivered to the saints. Why? Looking for the future, the good things that God's promised. They may not have seen results in the years they lived. They may have been living in an out-of-season time. Pragmatism only works when, things are, when you get results, and that's the sad thing about pragmatism. But we don't live by pragmatism. We live by principles. The principles of the Word of God are eternal, never-changing, and apply to everybody. And I just put my faith in the principles of the truth, the Word of God, and live on and trust Him for it. Principles work through dead times, through dry times, and through slow times because they look at the ultimate cause. So I see here a charge. I see a change. I see a challenge, and I see a cause. I hope you join, if you're not already in it, the ancient band of servants who were low management, high energy, and had a clear vision for what God wanted them to do.
Father, help us this morning. Thank you for the few minutes we've had together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.